0: Sixteen years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need
1: AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 5th to the 11th of September. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's Features Editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Reviews Editor, Paul Manny.
0: Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzie. Back for another week.
1: Yes. So, what are your recommendations for the coming week? Do we have anything spectacular in this week's Night Sky?
0: Well, we've got another good mix, which uh, I say, it's nice when it's a mixture between the morning and evening sky. And we will start with the morning. And last week, we ended with Venus and Ceres in Leo rising around about 4.30 to 5 o'clock. And of course, as you leave it a bit late, the twilight deepens, but Venus does get better place to observe. And we want to concentrate on Venus this particular time because, uh, we have a star. It's actually quite close on September the 5th, the morning, around about 5.30 a.m. So you don't want to leave it too long because obviously the sun will rise and we always have the, the warning that don't leave it too long to observe, uh, especially if you're using binoculars. We don't want you to uh, damage your eyesight with the sun. But if you look about 5.30 a.m. with binoculars, at venus there's a star to its lower right and this is regulus this is the heart of the line this alpha leonis and they're only three quarters of a degree apart so actually this will be good for a telescope as well a wide field telescope because you'll get them uh, well magnified sort of thing and regulus itself is a, has got a faint companion but how easy that will be to see in the twilight well we'll have to wait and see won't we and hopefully mm-hmm. get to observe it my problem is that I've got a lot of clutter on my horizon in that direction. So I have to wait a long time before. So it's daylight by the time it rises mm. high enough. Woe is me. I know. I'm trying to get the sympathy vote here. But but <laughs> uh, But that's. But I mean, I, I have a, a good section of the sky I can observe. So, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? There's, there's pluses and minuses. So uh, that's the morning sky then grabbing uh, Venus in the twilight when it's next to Regulus. Now, we have to go, we, we, don't, we sometimes have nothing happening for a day or two, but uh, the way how it goes is that uh, on the 8th, we actually have the Minor World 3 Juno at opposition. And opposition, of course, is when an object rises as the sun's setting, so it's opposite the sun in the sky, which technically means it's visible all night as well. Now, Juno itself is quite faint, usually so it's not one of those that's regularly observed Uh, Mm. although it's the third minor world to have been discovered uh, it it was one of those things that they just happened to be searching the right area and found this little dot of light that was moving and so there are others that are brighter than it but when it reaches opposition that's always the best time to catch the fainter minor Uh, worlds because they're at their brightest yeah so it'll be magnitude plus 7.8 so that's similar to Neptune. So if you have found Neptune in the past then you should be able to find Juno. So as it happens Juno, Neptune and Jupiter form a bit of a shallow triangle. Neptune's the apex pointing down. It's very shallow but it gives you a good idea of where to look for Juno. It's in Aquarius and Neptune's in Aquarius but really close to the border with Pisces. In fact Neptune is below the circlet of Pisces, so this whole region with a brilliant planet Jupiter as a guide as well helps you locate these objects. And as I say it's a nice triangle here, a very shallow triangle uh, with Juno to help you guide to it. So if you've never seen Juno, this is the time to do it. This is the week, you know, get out there and try to grab it. So there you are, and as I say similar to Neptune. If you if you've already seen Neptune. This shouldn't be hard at all. So uh, there we are. And if you follow it over the course of a few nights, if we get a run of clear nights, <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, favourite thing sort of thing, you get one night and then it's cloud, 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 cloud. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> also it, awesome.
1: it would be appropriate to, to point your way to Juno with Jupiter. Um, yeah. So to to see both of those together, husband and wife. Um. Yes,
0: ah, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> oh So there we are. That that's. Uh, I I just I love the fact. here. And the fact that we've also got an orbiter going around Jupiter called Juno. <laughs> so, yes, so exactly. So there's a lot of little Lots coincidences. Of Junos. <laughs> to, yes, there is at the moment. So yeah, it's nice to link all three together. Okay, so we go on to the next evening, sort of thing. That or rather that evening. Well, that evening, in actual fact. In the south-southeast, we're back to the Moon. You know, I know the Moon is dominant there, but it does guide us to many objects. And so the Moon forms a triangle with Saturn and Vesta. Now, Vesta, minor world, it can reach naked eye visibility, uh, but it's one of those things that at the moment you would need binoculars for it. But there is Saturn the moon and Vesta as well so you've got three solar system bodies to hunt down Saturn will be easy and so will the moon so I thing we've been observing Saturn regularly it's gorgeous view it's past opposition so it's now nicely in the evening sky we're talking about good grief 10 o'clock in the evening Ah, oh, that's mm-hmm. a that's a bit more civil <laughs> for <laughs> observing the night sky so it is becoming really well placed to actually observe if you're in this region by the way sort of thing you know we've got Saturn the moon and Vesta and to the right of Vesta and below Saturn by several degrees is Messier 30, a globular cluster. So it's, it's the last one that you do when you do the Messier challenge, when you try to see all the Messier objects in one night. You can't do it at the moment. It's, it's a, it's a March, April thing. But, uh, it is, it's, 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 interesting that it's actually noted for being that last object. It's a nice little globular. Again, because it's so low, it does tend to get missed off by a lot of people. So, uh, if you want to have a go at it, it's managed 7.7. So, uh, a nice little globular. And again, in, in, the the september issue we, we always like to push things don't we but in the september issue oh there's an article by somebody in that about <laughs> globulars to find who wrote that oh yes oh yeah it was it was me i i've always found globulars are unsung heroes they mm-hmm. the the impression in a, in a small telescope is that well it's a blob yeah and so you quickly move on or as long as you've recorded it that's it but if you pay attention to them as you learn to develop the averted vision, it's surprising what you can pick out. So have a look at the article. There are fifteen globulars at this time of year you can pick out, sort of thing. And as I say Messier thirty has got the advantage. You've got Saturn above it, and then as I say, the moon to one side and Vesta to the other. Now it would be better to let the moon get out the way <laughs> because the moonlight won't help you, but it gives you a guide to the area to have a look at this particular globular itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Means you can possibly find it a bit easier when it come back in a better time to to observe it or perhaps even image it.
0: Yes, exactly, sort of thing. You know, it's a it's a because the, the beauty about globulars and they're a bit like open clusters. The moonlight creates a bit of a problem for diffuse objects like galaxies and nebulae. But when it's a a collection of stars, it's surprising how much you can see. And this is why I like globulus through the summer, because the light summer nights, the globulars are one of the few things that you can actually still see reasonably well, as well as open clusters. So we move to September the 9th, we're back in the evening sky now, and look out for the full moon as it rises. Now, normally, you wouldn't really recommend looking at an occultation of a star with a full moon, mainly because the moon's so bright, (laughs) and the occultations are always better when they're appearing on the dark limb. So as it happens, it's full moon, so there won't be a dark limb, but I just thought I'd point this out because it actually will be occulting Tau Aquarii, so well worth looking, because that's a reasonably bright star. I forget the magnitude now. Um, But watch from about 8.30 p.m. for the reappearance, because as it rises, it'll be too low. It'll already be occult in the star. But as it rises higher, the star will emerge from behind the actual moon itself. So, it, And again, to have a pair of binoculars on that or a small telescope and then suddenly to see the star appear to the right of the moon you know, gives you the sense of the solar system in motion. The moon has been moving across it, uh, hiding the star itself. Now, we're having a nice run where they actually, it's literally night after night. And on September the 10th, again in the evening sky, we've still got the full, this is the technique of the part of the full moon. It was an almost full moon on the 9th. It's now full moon actually on the 10th. But let's face it, visually, naked eye i always think a day either side and it's so difficult to tell the difference you know they really are hard they can often look like I've often had people say oh i saw the full moon the other night and it's sort of you you grit your teeth you don't want to correct they say, well actually it wasn't quite full <laughs> you know because you know I,
1: it was a full issue full yes like,
0: oh, you know because you don't want to appear pedantic <laughs> so, but, but you know one likes to be accurate you know we're astronomers we mm-hmm. like to be accurate as such but this is an interesting one because this full moon is the harvest moon because it's the closest full moon to the September equinox so you know so oh, uh, no. you know so and this is why the farmers love this particular moon because it lingers gives them a lot of light and they carry on doing their harvest as such and interestingly enough on the 10th it also lies below the moon tonight with jupiter off to the left so again if you haven't found neptune before you've got a, you've got a moon to guide you the way because there's the moon then there's Neptune, and then there's the circlet of Pisces to actually observe. Okay, amazingly, we're still in the evening sky, and we'll finish off with the moon, because the next evening, September the 11th, the moon itself is past full now, just. But will you be able to tell the difference? Well, you write in and tell us, <laughs> something sort of you don't know. Some people can, though. It's a very, very subtle sort of thing, effect. But uh, it's a bit like seeing the moons of Jupiter with a naked eye. There are a small number of people who can actually do it. I can't. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> need optical aid. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, we'll have a situation whereby the moon will appear to have a star above it. And as we say, that's no star. It's the Death Star. Oh, sorry, no, it's not the Death Star. It's, it's Jupiter. It's a planet. So, you know... Again, this time, it will be a real planet, sort of thing. it's really bright, the planet Jupiter, but because the moon will be very bright as well, but it will be quite obvious that there is something above the moon, and it's the planet Jupiter, and that, again, helps you guide on, and it confirms if you're unsure, and sometimes, you know, beginners are unsure what they're looking at, sort of thing, so you know, I often see things on, on social media whereby they post up saying, saw this object next to the moon, what was it? Nine times out of ten, it's Mm. a planet or a star. So this is it. This is a planet. And a lot of these apps and our sky guide in the magazine tells Mm -hmm. you when these things take place, as well as listening to Orsezi as well.
1: Absolutely. And it does sound like there's a lot of very interesting things happening this week. It's a good week for minor worlds with both uh, Juno at opposition and Vesta appearing close to the moon and Saturn. And also have quite a good showing from Jupiter throughout the week. And if you want to keep up to date with all of the best things to see in the night sky every week, please do be sure to subscribe to the podcast Star Diary. And we hope to see you here next week. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our Sky Guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes, or Spotify.